The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. None of us will forget September 11th, 2001 and the tragic events that surrounded uh, that fateful day. And in fact, for thousands of people uh, around the globe, it's, it's a day that will literally haunt their memories uh, for the rest of their lives. If you're an adult in this room, uh, most of you remember exactly where you were uh, when you heard about the terrorist attacks. Uh, uh, For some of you, you were driving down the road listening to the news. Uh, Other people in this room, you were in an office or maybe in a classroom uh, somewhere. Uh, But for those of you who are old enough to remember the reality, it's a a moment uh, that you'll never forget. Uh, How many here right now, you can just picture in your mind's eye uh, where you were when you heard the news? Raise your hand. I mean, most of us can do that. And uh, it's kind of s- surreal to even think about now. I remember I was in a college class uh, taking some courses when the professor uh, came into the room and let us know what had taken place. We kind of canceled classes and huddled around a television and then spent some time in, in prayer. What's amazing to think about is this is such a vivid memory for so many of us in this room. It's, it's hard for us to believe that this year... Uh, high school seniors, high school, I should say high school freshmen, uh, will be taught 9-11 as a historical event that happened before they were born. And it's hard to believe now 15 years have passed uh, since that Tuesday morning. So today on the 15th anniversary of 9-11, we're going to take some time to remember. Uh, in fact, we're going to kind of focus on two aspects of this remembrance. We're going to take time to remember both the horrific tragedy of September 11, 2001, as well as the heroic triumphs uh, that took place that day. And I hope that throughout this service that our hearts uh, will be one of reflection and a remembrance of what happened. And then ultimately, my heart is that our gaze, our focus, would be turned toward Christ, who is our ultimate triumph through the tragedies that we face in this world. Second Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 8 says this, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. As we remember the tragedy of 9-11, probably one of the first questions that can come to our mind is the question, why do bad things like this happen? an honest question, isn't it? If God's really strong, if he's really loving, why does he allow such things to even take place at all? And rather than trying to give you a direct answer to that question, because it is a very complex question, it's a very difficult question, has a lot of nuances to it, rather than giving you a direct answer, can I give you a biblical perspective to wrestle through that question with. According to the Bible, the scriptures tell us that we are all part of a fallen race. You see, when God created this earth, when he created humanity, he created it with absolute perfection. And yet Adam and Eve made choices. And those choices brought sin into the world. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned, the scripture said. 
literally the sin nature was passed down from generation to generation to generation. Humanity now is literally part of a a corrupt system, we could say, that is utterly broken and spiraling deeper and deeper out out of control each and every day. In fact, Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse number 1 reminds us that before we placed our faith in Christ, the Bible declares that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. Literally, that's who we were. We were dead apart from Christ. And due to the fact that we are part of a broken and sinful society that is spiraling out of control, pain exists in the world in which we lived. In fact, according to the first few chapters of Genesis, not only are we part of a broken system, but the Bible literally says that earth itself, nature itself, is corrupt. It's been cursed with a curse. And so we see in Romans chapter number 8, where the Bible says, for we know that the whole creation, literally nature itself, groans and travails in pain together even until this day in fact it's not getting better second uh, timothy chapter number three tells us this and we understand with technology advances being what they are it's a wonderful thing to be able to help humanity with the technology that we have however there are those in our society who are expressing their sin and their wickedness through these advances in technology and we see in second timothy chapter number three and verse number 13 but evil men and seducers shall wax or they get worse and worse deceiving and and being deceived you see as technology advances so do the opportunities and expressions for men's sinfulness for their rebellion for their evilness to expand You see, we live in a world marred by brokenness. We live in a world marred by sin. And yet, God gives us something called free will. Each and every one of us in this room possess it. We can choose to use our free will to benefit and help humanity. Or we can use it to tear down humanity. It's our choice. And there are those, as we saw in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, who have chosen to use their free will to destroy, to kill, and to hurt. And many times, you and I, we, together, collectively, we suffer the consequences of living in a world where multitudes have chosen to reject God and are regularly acting in rebellion toward Him. So we don't like to think about this very much. But the reality is this, you and I suffer because other people in their free will choose decisions that reject Christ and rebel against the true and the living God. But according to John, God is creating a new heaven and new earth, according to the Gospel of John, where we will be able to spend eternity in a perfect environment, no longer marred by brokenness, no longer marred by sin, no longer marked by evil. The book of the Revelation tells us in chapter 21 and verse number 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for 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 the former things 
shall be passed away. You see, God is going to take all the wrongs, and He's going to make them right. So this morning, as we have the opportunity to focus on the tragedy, I want to also take some time to remember the triumphs as well. And so, woven within the fabric of these horrible events that we saw a moment ago on the screen, there were stories of courage. Many different stories have emerged of the triumphs that took place as people selflessly were running toward the tragedies while others were running away from it. Uh, As I think about this, I'm reminded we live in a world where people are desperately looking for escape. Metaphorically speaking, the waves of sin are literally crashing around them. Terrorism is haunting them, coming down upon them, and they feel trapped. And in a real way, what they're looking for, whether they realize it or not, is they are looking for a Savior. Now, how that expresses itself in different individuals is very different. Some people look for escape. They look for a Savior in their career. They think that if they just work hard enough and long enough, that somehow that career will be the ultimate Savior that will give them a sense of meaning, a sense of hope, a sense of significance. And yet the reality is all of those are lesser saviors. In a world where people are haunted, in a world where people are in desperate need, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is that which is all-sufficient. Jesus is that which is all-sustaining. Jesus is the answer. And if you'll allow me for a moment to say this, in a very real way, when when the waves of trial when the waves of tragedy are crashing against life, when it feels like the enemy's coming down on a terrorist around people's being, the reality is this, Jesus Christ is the ultimate lifeboat. Jesus Christ is the ultimate Messiah. Jesus Christ is the ultimate Savior. The reality is the world looks to a lot of lesser things to find salvation. The world looks to a lot of lesser things for their, to, to, to save them, to be their Messiah. But the Bible tells us in Timothy that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, Titus tells us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. The reality is there is no amount of work that any one of us can demonstrate that will save us, that will uh, act as our, what we would often say is our functional Messiah, because Jesus Christ is the only Messiah. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He is the only ultimate lifeboat. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is a gift. For the wages of sin is death, Romans tells us, but that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter number 6, verse number 23. It might be that you're in this room right now. And spiritually speaking, you just feel like your world is coming down around you. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's some other relationship in your life. Maybe it's your career or something with your health. And maybe it's a collaboration of several of those things, but you feel like your life is just crumbling. You've run to the water's edge. There's no hope in front of you. There's no hope behind you, and you feel as if all is lost. 
But I want to remind you today that you have a lifeboat. A lifeboat that can get you to where you need to be, and his name is Jesus. He offers you escape through the free gift of salvation. You say, how, how is that even possible? The reality is God, in his love toward us, sent his very own son, Jesus Christ, to be born in a manger over 2,000 years ago. But Jesus was no ordinary man. He was the God-man. Theologians would refer to it as the hypostatic union, 100% God, 100% man, hypostatic union coming together, Jesus, Jesus as God, Jesus as deity. Jesus grew physically in stature and in favor with God and man, the scriptures tell us. He lived a perfect sinless life, never sinned never broke any of God's commands. Because he had the DNA of God pulsating through his blood, he was able to overcome all temptation, all sin. He was perfect. He did not have the sin nature within him because he was God. And yet 33 years into his life, he laid down his life. He shed his blood to take the consequences, the penalty that our sin deserves, and he took all of their consequences upon himself. He literally took our place on the cross of Calvary. He took the consequences that your lying and your ste- stealing deserved. He took the consequences that my gossip, that my sin deserved. He took the consequences of all of our sin upon himself and literally they were nailed to the cross that day. He shed his blood literally being the propitiation. He was the replacement for us. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The way you accept this gift of salvation, the way you receive it, is not through good works. The way you receive this free gift is not by trying harder to be moral. The way you receive this free gift is is not by joining a particular church or getting involved in a particular denomination. This church can't get you to heaven. There's no denomination that can give you a, a ticket to eternal life. There is no amount of good works and no baptism that you could be a part of in order to earn salvation because salvation is a free gift offered to you by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the way you receive it, the Bible says, is by faith. You simply believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, He did for you. That what he did made a way for you to experience salvation full and free. And by simply putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone, the Bible says you can be saved. You say our sin deserves consequences and punishment, separation from God for all of eternity. But through Jesus Christ, there is hope. There is hope in Christ. In the midst of the tragedy, there is a triumph. And the triumph was made possible to us by the person of Jesus Christ when he went to the cross. But he didn't stay dead. The Bible says that they buried him after his death. And for three days, he lay in a tomb. But three days later, we we celebrate it now as Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. The Bible declares that Jesus Christ rose 
from the dead. He was seen of multitudes of eyewitnesses. And the Bible declares for us that in his life, death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus Christ gives us what we need for eternal salvation if we will simply put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to be our Savior. He is the ultimate lifeboat, the one that rescues us from the consequences of sin, the tragedy that is sin. And he makes a way of escape. As I was listening to the video a moment ago, the illustration, there was a portion where a call was made to bring the lifeboats there to the island. And in much the same way, if you're here today, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you're what we would call a born-again believer, a, a Christian of sorts, then Jesus Christ, has all, all, He has also given you a call. The call is often referred to as the Great Commission. You see, you and I, we understand that, yes, at the end of the day, only Jesus Christ saves. Jesus Christ is the lifeboat. But we have an opportunity as the church to go out and bring the saving message of Jesus Christ. We can bring that message to the multitudes who are lost, to the multitudes that are hurting, to the multitudes that are in need, to the multitudes that feel like there is no escape. You and I, as believers, have been given a call to to bring to those people, if we could say it this way, the message of the lifeboat. To get the lifeboat to them so that the lifeboat, Jesus Christ, can offer them salvation. We have an opportunity to bring the message of what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to those who need it most. And my friends, that is the purpose of the church. We're not a cruise ship where we can just kind of get together and have a good social time, (laughs) where we can experience some entertainment, lounge by the pool. The church has a mission. And that mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our purpose. That's why we've been commissioned. And every one of us have an opportunity to co-labor with God in this mission of redeeming humanity. So I say to you today, if you're here, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I beg you, I'd implore you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's your hope. He is your salvation. I was so blessed the week before last to have the opportunity to sit down with a couple who's in this room today. I got to go through the gospel with them and show them from the word of God how they could know for sure heaven would be their home, how to put their faith and trust in Christ through what his word says. And So I had the opportunity of just kind of going through the passages and going through the word of God just to see their face desiring to respond and receive that message of salvation. Two weeks ago today, they were saved. Placed their faith and trust in Christ. And I'll say this, there's many, many more people who need to hear the message of salvation. And you have an opportunity to share it with them. It's been neat to see as they're growing in grace and 
getting involved in Bible studies. I'm, I'm telling you what, it, it's an opportunity. As a church, we as individuals have the opportunity to get the lifeboat to those who need it most. That's why we're here. And so if you're here without Christ, would today be the day of your salvation? Would be the day, today be the day where you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And if you are saved, would this be a day where you would recommit your heart to that which is most important? To ask God to give you the grace to, to literally get the lifeboat to those who need it most. To be a witness for His glory and for the propagation of the gospel. And together to make a difference in the world in which we live. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.